Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Brought to you by JohnnyT-shirt.com, where Inside Carolina members get 10% off their everyday online orders. Get ready for another edition of Inside Carolina Radio. And I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. I'm joined by Ross Martin and Greg Barnes. Ross and Greg came to you on a podcast last week, but now they've got me to deal with. And Greg, I'm going to start with you right off the bat. Case and Collins talked today or on Monday, about how good he thought the defense at North Carolina was going to be. And that's something that North Carolina needs this year with the way the offense is set up and the youth and inexperience there. But Collins's comments you know, were surprising still to me, and I think to a lot of our listeners and a lot of Inside Carolina readers. Let's hear a little bit about what he had to say. We really feel like this could be one of the best defensive years that Carolina football has seen in a really long time because of how uh, how comfortable everybody is in the defense. Everybody, We didn't really lose too many people, so, you know, we had a lot of people coming back. Everybody's a lot more confident in the defense, you know, as opposed to they were last year. Everybody knows a little bit more, um, and the experience factor has is, is, uh, factored into it as well. So it's, uh, it's shaping up to be a really exciting year for us. Greg, best defense at North Carolina in quite a while. I'm not really sure if I can quantify that, but your take on Collins' belief and Collins' role in it. Well, I don't think there's any question that this could be the best defense since Kaysen's been at North Carolina. I mean, of course, his first year was that disastrous year back in, in 14. And so he wasn't even here for Vic's good years in 2012-2013. So I think in, in talking with Kaysen, really, really the interesting dynamic is he walked into a, I guess we could call it a dumpster fire in 14. And then pretty much had to scrap everything that he learned that first year and relearn it under Gene Chizik. And he struggled that first year under Gene and kind of learning exactly what he was supposed to do because we all saw the talent that he had. He's quick, he's fast, he could hit. But all too often, he was in the wrong spot. And at this level, that, that just doesn't get the job done. But he showed a lot of improvement last year. Still wasn't perfect, still had some miscues, but was much improved. And I think now, because he understands the defense so much, he's kind of a good example of how this defense can improve. Because he's not the only one. A lot of these guys have been in this program now since JP and Gene got here back ahead of the 2015 season. So they've learned it. They understand it. They know it. There's not a lot of young guys that are going to have to step in and play serious snaps. You're really only the guys that deserve to play. None of these young guys will have to play out of necessity. And so that really allows this defense uh, to play quick, play fast, because they know what to do. Uh, and it also allows JP to be able to add some wrinkles to it. And that's one of the things we've heard a lot of this summer, is how this defense is going to be faster, it's going to be more aggressive. Uh, they're going to try to get more tackles for loss, more sacks, which they hope will lead to more turnovers in the form of interceptions which, as we all know, were were very limited last year. Ross, before I I get your comments on that, I want to play Collins' comments about his progression and how it's finally started to click for him, I guess, is a a good way to put it. 
and then get your take. It's interesting to see how well you progress when you know what you're doing, you know, and it took me a minute because, you know, it was new to me. I really didn't know much about football, you know, when I came in, I was just flying around, having fun making plays, and it took me a minute and it was discouraging because, you know, I wasn't really picking everything up as fast as other people, but this year, you know, I've seen the improvement in myself, you know, something that I've pushed myself to do. Um, I pushed myself to be, you know, a lot harder on myself as far as watching film and being in my playbook and really understanding what's going on. Um, so I've seen this, I've seen the, the jump that I've made, you know, in myself and it's, it's, it's starting to show up on the field as well. Ross, we talked a little bit about depth at linebacker off the air, and depth is so good that there have been some position changes at that position switch over to the offense, but the defense, linebackers in particular, your take on Collins and how important this unit is for this this group to step up and be as good as Collins thinks they will be. Yeah, and I think Greg touched on a lot of things there. You have a, a, all three returners starting. You have all three backups returning, and that's huge. I mean, there's going to be not much they're not gonna have any lack of time to 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 go and learn the system there you got talent in andre smith and cole holcomb that led the team in tackles last year and the athletic guy like collins who is, is finally getting it you know there's no lack of uh, athleticism and behind them you have dominique ross Aiden vanilla and jonathan smith guys that impressed in backup roles and and subbed in for guys when they're injured so i think it's a really impressive group of smart players physical players and they seem real confident. I think Mike Eckler seems really confident, the new linebackers coach. And obviously, Fedora thinks that the linebackers and defensive line can be the the best group and the, the, lead this defense to what obviously Collins thinks is going to be a real special year for the defense. I think it starts with Andre Smith, and then from then it has, you have the experience of Holcomb and Collins next to him. I don't think there's anything special. It's just the fact that they've been in the system and they have experience, and they're going to just have to build on that, and they can be more aggressive and make more tackles for a loss and have more sacks because they know the, the defense so much better. Greg, that's a, a point that Collins made himself. You can play better when you know what you're actually doing. And and there's really no excuse now for North Carolina on the defensive side. I mean, we, we talked about a lot over the years on these podcasts at how confusing Koenig's defense was maybe. And then, you know, you come in and you have Gene Chiswick who's got the weight behind him and he gets these guys on the right track. Collins talked a little bit about in that interview that you had with him that maybe some of that stuff set him back. But speak to the experience of the linebacker unit and the defense as a whole. I mean, if they're not the best defense that Larry Fedora's had at Carolina, and at least in, in a while, then that's going to be probably, to me, the biggest shock of the season, even though we are just three or four days in the pads in preseason camp. And I, I think we have to be careful with how we quantify that, Tommy. And the reason I say that, if you look at what North Carolina has done the last two years, when Larry Fedora arrived in Chapel Hill, he was open about saying, look, we want to run 80 plays per game. But as soon as Gene Chizik got here, Fedora wasn't saying that anymore. And Fedora started saying, hey, I've never said that we want to run X amount of plays per game. You know, we're multi-tempo. But we have quotes from Fedora saying, hey, we want to run 80-85. And so what you saw the last two years is I think 2014 really flipped the switch for Fedora to say, okay, there's something to this. We can't go breakneck, you know, breakneck speed and expect the defense to not be affected. So after averaging 75 to 80 plays per game for a number of years, the last two years, UNC's offense averaged in the 60s. I want to say last year, they were one of the lowest teams in the ACC in terms of plays run. 
which is really crazy. And so how that affects the defense is that while the defense still had to defend a lot of plays the last two years, more than you would probably expect given those offensive numbers, it really kind of shows that Larry Fedora was trying to make something happen for Gene Chizik. And Gene Chizik was doing what he needed to do in building a defense. And so while Gene is not here this year, Papuchas is going to get all the credit or all the blame. But I think this is really a litmus test for what Gene wanted to do because this is not year one of JP. This is year three of what Gene wanted. He was very base in 2015. He added a little bit to it last year. And now's the year where all these guys that we're talking about have matured. They've been in the system for three years. They're all veterans, right? They all know what to do. They've had it put together piece by piece over these three years. And so if Gene Chizik's idea of this foundation that he put in place three years ago if that's to come to fruition, this is the year to do it because there are so many veterans on this defense who have been through what he, he wanted to build. So that's going to be one of the interesting things for me is, okay, do we actually get to see a legitimate, solid defense that's capable of carrying North Carolina, not just for stretches of plays or for stretches of series, but for entire games and for entire chunks of the season? Because if that actually happens, North Carolina's offense is decent, right? Just decent. North Carolina can win a lot of games this year. Whereas in the past, what we've seen is a very elite offense. But when you pair it with a mediocre defense, that's not going to get it done. But we know that defense will win you a lot of games. So now if you can pair a good defense with an okay offense, we'll get to see how that plays out. So that's, that's one of the interesting things I'm really looking forward to talking about and seeing how it plays out this year if i can hop in here while we're on depth you talk about we talked to donnie last uh donnie miles last wednesday and andre smith last wednesday and they talked about how because there's so much depth now behind them as starters they don't have to play 80 90 plays they can play more around 60 you know 50 60 plays makes them fresher makes them better in the third and fourth quarter and that's where depth comes in you know there is you know 10 to 12 players in the defensive line that can go there's like a good too deep of quality players at linebacker. There's a good too deep at safety and cornerback, and that helps the starters stay fresh so they don't get you know tired and dragged out in the third and fourth quarter. And that's gonna be crucial to see these younger players coming in, uh, you know, in the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, and making plays and being reliable, trusted defenders so the starters can at least get some breaks here and there. And that's the depth that Fedora hasn't had you know, his first two, three years while he builds out, you know, builds scholarships and, and builds numbers and quality depth. I think he's finally got to that point on defensive side where he has players he can trust behind the first group. And that's going to be key. I think that's going to be huge for the defense this year. Yeah, and, and yeah. part of that, Tommy, is is the fact that Vic ran the four two five, where it was essentially a three three five, and you didn't need as many DTs and you really didn't need as many defensive ends. And so part of that recruiting issue, in addition to the NCAA problems, is they weren't recruiting enough bodies up front. And so, as Ross points out, now that we're a couple years past that, you've had the opportunity to kind of to fill up the ranks a little bit, but we're starting to see that come out, come to, come to fruition. And you had defensive tackles playing 70, 80 snaps a game, and that's going to get you killed. No matter how good you are, you can't play 70, 80 or more snaps at that position 
uh, for North Carolina to have success. And so I, I agree with you guys. The depth is going to be huge. And Ross, that said, and I don't put much stock in preseason magazines, um, but Buck Sanders loves Phil Steele. And I saw a message board thread that had Carolina's DL and linebackers eighth and ninth. Even the secondary is sixth in the conference. So in your in your opinion, maybe, are we overhyping Carolina's defense or are they underrated? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to really compare it to other teams in the ACC. You know, you never know how many what other teams lost and how UNC is going to play. I'll tell you this, you know, UNC has proven commodities on defense. MJ Stewart's a all-ACC caliber corner. Donnie Miles has, you know, been a tackle monster the last two seasons. Then you have guys on the defensive line who are solid. I think that's the biggest question mark. I think the defensive line is the biggest question mark to me. Um, you know, Jalen Dalton is yet to break out. Aaron Crawford has been decent. Dewan Drennan, Tyler Powell, those guys always get hyped up. You know, Malik Carney showed flashes. Um, we've heard some good things about Jason Strobich. There's a lot of names that you see and, and you hear some good things, but they haven't really proven it. And they did lose Mikey Bart, who played pretty much every game and every snap last season. And Nazir Jones, who has been really – was a really quality player for UNC for two or three years. So I think there's definitely question marks at certain positions, but there are some proven commodities. I think the linebackers are proven and they're going to be better. And I think the cornerbacks and defensive backs are going to have a, a solid year, year as well. I think how the defensive line comes together with that depth, with that talent, who can really step up is going to be the key. I think, I mean, I think most people are cautiously optimistic that's going to be a very solid year for the defense. If, a, if certain players can really step up and make plays, I think guys on the defensive line really need to step up and, and fill those gaps for the guys they lost. Yeah, for me, uh, looking, that's what I'll be looking at because I, I really believe in – I know it's a cliche, but you got to win games in the trenches. And for Carolina to be better than eight and four program, their defensive line has to be better than it's been. And this is year, like you said, guys have to step up. And there's been a lot of talk on the inside. We'll see. We'll find out in a couple of weeks. Let's turn to the hey, offense. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Can I? Can I? Can I uh, get my comments in on Phil Steele? Oh, yes, you can. And, and you choose them wisely now because you know uh, Mr. Sanders may be listening. Just looking at his ACC rankings for a position group, I'm just going to reel off some names ahead of UNC. And we, first of all, we need to make sure we remember there's 15 teams in the ACC now. So for North Carolina to be number eight in defensive line, it's not like it's 1993 all over again, and that means you're one of the worst two. It means you're right smack dab in the middle. But, I mean, you've got Florida State, Clemson, NC State, and I know people don't want, don't want to hear NC State, but their defensive line is legit. Boston College, Landry, the kid from North Carolina, is one of the best defensive linemen in the country. Miami, Virginia Tech, we could argue. You know, Wake Forest, maybe we could argue. But that's really it ahead of North Carolina defensive line. And – you know, there were so many times, I'm going back to 03, 04, and 05 under John Bunny. Right? He returned a lot of players those years because they were young early on. And we're like, all right, they got a lot of returners back. They should be good now because they played. And they weren't ever good, right? So there's a lot more to it than just having returners. Now, are there guys on North Carolina's team that can make the next step? Absolutely. There's guys that are young that have showed flashes. But last year, we need to remember, really the only guy that can consistently 
draw a double team up front was Nas Jones, and he's gone. Mikey Bart was a cornerstone at end. He's gone. So they have to replace some pieces, but they also need some of these young guys to step up and prove that, hey, we're better than just kind of placeholders. I think that's going to be a key component is, I know a lot of North Carolina fans are looking at this defense and saying, hey, we got all these guys back. They should be you know, just marginally better, and they'll be one of the best defenses in the ACC. Okay, I'll give you they should be good. But to be great or to be anywhere close to what those Bush Davis defenses were, a lot of these guys have to step up and prove it and not be paper tigers. They have to actually do it on the field. I agree. And, Ross, as you can see, these podcasts will get feisty, especially when we add in a few other guys. So always feel free to jump in and cut me off like uh, like Greg, excuse me, just did. Greg coming in hot there. I like it. <laughs> well, it's, it, it'll be fun as the season goes. Now, I am going to switch. We're just getting started. Yeah, we're just getting <laughs> started. I am going to switch to the quarterbacks because that's another position everybody talks about. And you guys finally had a chance to talk to Brandon Harris. He had some good comments. I'm going to play a few, and then we're going to talk about him. Initially, I didn't think I was going to leave LSU. We had got a new coach and a new offensive coordinator who uh, – really wanted me to stay and be a part of what they had moving forward in the future. But when this opportunity presented itself with the style of offense and the direction this program is going into and my research from talking to Marquise Williams and talking to different players who have played for Coach Fedora, it was a can't-miss opportunity, so I decided to come here. I saw from, I mean, obviously as a quarterback, you're aware of what's going on in the country, and I knew that it was... Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. There's an opportunity here um, to play in a type of offense. I think that fit my skill set. And I knew Trubisky. It was an opportunity for Trubisky to go to the NFL. I think just the opportunity of how open it is um, spread-wise, um, the different levels of how you can execute within the offense. And I also like the, the quarterback coach who works with me. I think he's uh, one of the best I've ever been around from explaining the game and breaking it down in simplest forms where you can understand and go out there and play at a high level as quarterback. I knew Marquise because we trained with the same quarterback coach. I've never formally met him, but I've spoken to him through text. And, uh, you know, anytime you're making a transition like this and this is going to be your senior year um, where you've started another place for three years, you want to make sure you get it right um, just because this is the last go around. And the opportunity and, and just the, the, uh, the relationship Marquise had with Coach Fedora and everything he told me kind of, you know, I did my research and it kind of checked out. I think uh, I'm not where I want to be right now. Um, I think you probably asked, I'm sorry, I think you probably asked Coach and he'd probably say he loves where I'm at right now. I'm not where I want to be at right now comfortability-wise, I mean, comfortability but we are only six days in practice. Um, I think the thing for me is continuing to learn our footwork that we take here because it's totally different than what I did at LSU. Out of the spread and under center is totally different. But to continue to pick up the footwork, continue to learn the, the receivers, and I think just continue to get the camaraderie that we have and continue to build it because we're going to have to you know, have our strength and find out what our strength is for the team and make sure it works this upcoming season. Greg, I'll start with you again. He's got to be the guy, right? He's got to be. Really, when you break it down, Brandon Harris is the guy who's got a big arm. Uh, he's 
very quick, very fast. You know, he's not the the Marquise Williams kind of run you over type quarterback, but he's quick and elusive. And I think he can bring a unique dynamic to North Carolina's run game. And I think that's going to be needed this year. And maybe we'll expand on running back this podcast, maybe not. But there's a lot of question marks in the offensive backfield. And so if you can have a guy like Brandon Harris, who like Marquise Williams in 2014, uh, potentially has to kind of handle all of the, the load running the ball. And maybe that's, maybe that's taking a step too far with Harris. But he's the guy that can most likely do that. Um, you know, Surratt will be able to do that at some point. I don't think he's ready quite yet. Neither is Logan Bird. So you're really talking about a competition between Brandon Harris and Nathan Elliott. And I think Nathan Elliott is the safe option. He's not the fastest. He's not the biggest. Uh, but apparently he's, he's a pretty intelligent guy. But I think Harris's talent and his experience will win out. And he's a very sharp kid, very charismatic. That was one thing I was curious in. Is, is this a guy that can come in and win the team over? Ross told me before we ever talked to Brandon uh, this week that, hey, he's, he, he is. He's got a great personality, good guy to talk to. And you can see that. And even some of the players are already joking with him. Austin Pearl came over and was cutting up during his interview. So I think he's got all the key pieces that you need to be able to take the, the starting quarterback job. Now, how good can he be? Uh, there's a lot of areas where he's got to improve. There's a lot of areas where he's got to prove that he can be the guy and be better than he was at times uh, at LSU. But you know, I think it's important to say that nobody's expecting him to come in and be another Mitch Trubisky or another Marquise Williams. That's setting the bar way too high. But what he has to be is just a little bit better than the guys around him in that quarterback room. And if he can do that, then this offense can be potent enough. And if the defense steps up, as we talked about earlier, uh, good enough to, to get back to a bowl game and, and maybe even a nice bowl game. He talked about the attention to details for, I think he called them nuances. Your take on that, how tough is it for a guy that's his age and that's been around? Uh, I mean, he's not a freshman on campus. He's a, a grad transfer senior that's been taught a lot of things over a lot of years. So how tough do you think the transition for him is into maybe how Carolina does things versus three yards in a, you know, in a dust bowl at LSU? Yeah, and Greg wrote about this on Monday, and he'll probably be better to speak on this, but uh, Fedora touched on how important footwork is and kind of the nuances of running the read option and, you know, taking a three-step drop out of the shotgun instead of a, a five or seven step drop out of the um, under center like he did at LSU, those kind of things and, and knowing where he put his body and knowing how to hand off the ball and, and run that read option is what he's trying to learn. I know he was working hard in June with the playbook. Uh, I was speaking with him throughout the summer. He said he loved this offense. He, he loved the, uh, the simplicity of it, how he was able to get in a rhythm throwing and able to display his running skills. I think the, the fact that he's going to be able to throw more regularly is going to play right to what he does because he does have the arm. Fedora said on Monday that he can make all the throws. Fedora seemed really impressed with his accuracy as well. I think the knock on him has been some accuracy, but it seems like he's got all the tools you need from an arm, arm standpoint. And I was interested to see what Greg was going to say about his personality, having spoken to him for the first time on Monday. Very, I mean, It's kind of like a, a very quiet confidence. Like he, he is very in control of himself and, and very aware of, of himself. It, it seems like a very charismatic type of uh, a leader. And I think that's huge. It's, it's got to be so difficult to come 
from another team and jump into a uh, a team like UNC that everybody knows each other and been working together and, and compete for a job with someone who's been, you know, working hard for two years to try to be that starter. It's got to be such a weird dynamic and it's got to be the right type of person that can hop in and win that job and win the team, the team over and win the offense over. So I think that is what's really important to watch. I got a question for Greg. I mean, I talked to you had you had um, Brandon Harris and I talked to Nathan Elliott. I could see, you know, both of them playing in the first couple games, at least against Cal and maybe some other games. What do you think about that? Or what's what's I mean, I know Fedora's done that a little bit. What do you think about Elliott and Harris both getting, you know, some rotation there in the first couple games? Yeah, and I, I don't I don't think that's really in question at all, Ross. But I think that's going to happen, and not only Elliot, but I, I think you know, maybe whoever steps ahead in that Surratt Bird competition, because you know what we saw in recent years is they knew Mitch Trubisky was the real deal, and they wanted to make sure that he was ready to go in case anything happened to Marquise, or just to see if he could edge ahead of Marquise. And what ended up happening was that you had two high-end quarterbacks on the same roster. That allowed you a lot of versatility. It allowed you to be a little bit more aggressive with what Marquise could do. So you know, if he gets hurt, well, you put Mitch in, you're not really going to lose anything. We saw that at, at Virginia when Mitch goes in and throws that touchdown pass to T.J. Thorpe to, to win the game. Uh, that's not the case currently. And it wasn't the case last year. You know, Elliott was the backup but he was named the backup primarily because Caleb Henderson left. And with Anthony Ratliff-Williams being moved to wide receiver, you were really kind of limited. And so they they had to protect Mitch, and they didn't have the luxury of getting his backup a lot of quality playing time. And so this year, uh, Brandon Harris, let's say he's the guy. He's only here for a year. Yeah. So you got to make sure that you've got your next starting quarterback, whoever that may be, some experience and some reps so that they don't go into 2018 blind blind. And so to your point, uh, I think at least one backup quarterback will see a lot of time, possibly two. And like a guy like Surratt, I I think he's athletic enough that he's the type of guy you say, you know what, we're going to give you five plays, just five and three of them running plays. But we want you to get comfortable in the offense. We want to use you as a weapon. And so I could see you, Elliot, getting time as a backup quarterback, doing everything, and then maybe Surratt getting in just as a change of pace guy. Didn't uh, Henderson leave because Elliot beat him out for the backup job? Wasn't that the, the thought there? That, that was the word. But if you look at how the timing came out, I believe Elliot was named starter, and then within a matter of hours, Henderson was transferring. I uh, said, so depending on who you talk to, uh, that's not exactly how it went. Elliot named the backup. We could aim. We could. We could. Uh, we could probably mention sources and and get different answers from different people. Let me ask you a question before I ask a running backs question, Greg. You think three quarterbacks are going to play this year? Possibly, yes. Especially against ODU or or Western Carolina, might as well throw Chaz or or Logan out there. Right. Get some experience. I think it's possible. I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. Ross, let me ask you about running backs, and you've got yeah. a story. Uh, we've talked about depth. And we talked about depth at the linebacker position. It sort of helped the running back position this uh, fall camp for North Carolina. Give us the update on that and how you see all that going down. Yeah, so uh, Jonathan Sutton, who came in as a linebacker out of South Carolina, he moved to running back in the summer. So he's kind of a big guy, you know, 225 pounds, 6'1". 
he moved to running back. So you already had one linebacker move to running back. And then today we learned through a source that Kane Roberts, a freshman linebacker athlete out of Greenback, Tennessee, has made the switch to running back. You know, you saw him taking pictures with a running back. So it was kind of obvious what the move was there. I asked Fedora about that in the press conference. And, and his answer was clear. It was great. Um, he said that they didn't think Kane was going to break the two deep at linebacker, which we've talked about. They have really good quality upperclassmen depth there. And so they thought they needed some more bodies at running back. And Kane Roberts is a is an athletic, bigger guy. He's about 6'3", 200, still a little lean. But he's played multiple positions in high school, running back, quarterback, um, defensive end, linebacker, safety, punt return, kick return. So he knows you know, how to carry the ball. He's a physical, athletic guy. So now they have two former linebackers um, over at running back. And some of this was because we also learned through a source that Antoine Branch, the freshman from, I think, the Middle Tennessee area, um, had an injury, I think, yesterday or sometime very recently in camp. And so that's one less body at running back. So that might have been a, obviously one of the reasons why they moved Kane over. And so you, you still look at a, a running back group with not much depth or experience. Jordan Brown, I think, carried the ball 25 times for 40 yards and one touchdown. Last year as a true freshman, you bring in Stanton Truitt. Uh, the grad transfer from Auburn, who has two years eligibility, and then Michael Carter, kind of the, the, the phenom freshman who has a unbelievable highlight reel tape. Um, so it's me, those guys, along with the, the two transformed linebackers that are going to be your running backs. And Fedora said that it's not really, doesn't really matter who can really carry the ball because they can all carry the ball. They all can run. They're all Division One athletes. It's going to be who can pick up protection and kind of learn the aspects of the offense beyond carrying the ball. So I think it's it's a it's a running back group that you should have some concerns of just given the amount of experience and the lack of, you know, known um visible talent that we've seen uh heading into the season. Yeah, and given and given Truett's experience, granted he didn't play a whole lot at Auburn, but just in terms of pass pro, that's gotta give him a leg up, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, I think any guy who's already played in college for a couple of years is gonna have a leg up. That's why I think Brand Harris is has a huge advantage because he's played in the SEC. Same with Cam Dillard. So, but I mean, Sam Truett's small. I mean, Truett, Michael Carter, and Jordan Brown are small, you know, five, 10 running backs. There's not a lot of size there other than the, the two linebackers we just spoke about. I can't remember a season where Carolina has as many questions on the offensive side of the ball. We're going to talk about it all year. We'll talk about the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, running backs. The offensive line, I think, is going to lead them. Greg, what are you going to be looking for over the next week or so? Maybe to surprise you covering this football team as they get deeper into camp? Uh, well, a couple things. Number one, with the scrimmage being on Tuesday, uh, we'll start to get some word leaking out about who are some of the guys that have actually made a name for themselves. Because we can talk about Daz Newsom, we can talk about Michael Carter, we can talk about some of these young guys that look good in shoulder pads or in no pads. And until you actually have a scrimmage, until people start hitting each other, with a vengeance, you really don't know what people are made of. And then the other aspect is I think a lot of us kind of penciled in Khalil Rogers as a starter at guard, and if not a starter, a key contributor. Uh, but with him no longer with the team, it becomes, okay, well, we saw Hatton and Prince and Cohen all at right guard. That no longer you know, stays the same. So who moves over to left guard? Tommy Hatton played there last year, but he was also running with the ones uh, last time we checked at right guard. So 
those kind of things on the interior, you know, Cam Dillard is a solidified center. So how things will play out alongside of him will be important. But then also, you know, as we talked about tonight, you know, who's stepping up at running back? For some guys at wide receiver, you know, Larry Fedora said Austin Proles pretty much got one spot locked down. What about the other two? And then I'm also interested to see is anybody that's young on defense stepping up because there are so many veterans on that side of the ball. If there is somebody young that can kind of elevate their play, you know, a lull or, or you know, somebody along those lines, you know, Shaw, you know, see a guy that can step up a cornerback. And so those are the primary things I'm going to be looking at over the next couple of days. A lot of things there, Greg, to look at. Greg's got a lot of eyes. He's <laughs> lucky he's got your two, and I haven't right. officially welcomed you to the podcast, but I'm glad you had a chance to join us tonight. I hope we get to do it a lot yeah. in the coming I, weeks. I was just thinking, man, this team could really use Elijah Hood this year. The fact that he <laughs> that he uh, left early. Think about that that running back depth. They could really, really use the, the guy of a Charlotte this year. But, uh, yeah, I'm interested in, in looking at what Jerry Cohn can do and Cam Dillard, a lot of positive things with Cam Dillard out of the, the press conferences on Monday and, and see who's going to be quality on the offensive line. Cause obviously going to be very important moving forward. A lot of, a lot of interesting question marks on the offense. They'll be tracking the rest of camp. Yep. Absolutely. Greg Ross. Appreciate you joining me. Hey, Tommy. Yeah, man. Thanks for listening to inside Carolina radio brought to you by Johnny t-shirt.com where inside Carolina members get 10% off their everyday online orders. We'll talk to you again soon.